Hey everybody, welcome to episode that was the worst intro that we've ever done, I think, in the history of the show. Uh, but welcome to episode 28 of Tactical Crouch, uh, the competitive Overwatch podcast where we don't exclusively talk about Overwatch League, so stop leaving comments on YouTube about it. But we do mostly talk about Overwatch League, so I understand why you get upset. Could be some confusion. Could do be. I have to look, go sure. to Contenders Wikipedia now? Yes, <laughs> no. uh, Contenders Liquipedia. <laughs> By the way, uh, you know you know that name. It's or that voice is super, super recognizable. And of course, the name super. is well. Matthew oh Delisi. Is, is this going to be? Is this how it's going to be? <laughs> yeah. This is all right. Okay, I'm going to have the boo button and the crickets button ready because <laughs> I, I will I boo a guest. I've booted. I booed a guest before. I'll do it again. Uh, <laughs> that was the worst intro of all time. So you know, I had to go uh, join in with. Ah, uh, hey, deprecation. <laughs> to, to <be> <laughs> He's just like piles on, doesn't let me think out loud. But yeah, episode 28 of Tactical Crouch, of course, with here with uh, Volamel and Yiska every week. Good to see you guys, but special guests reinforce this week. Looking good. Bed is, I love the red pillows, by the way. That, that oh, takes, that, that's like, so I, I have to ask you, did you pick out the red pillows? Yeah. That's, uh, I also that's have a red impressive. blanket, yeah, to go yeah, with it. Having yeah. that accent color is super important. It's Something I learned smart. from my wife, the fact that you you know that, it's just, it's brilliant. Big brain. So, uh, I don't know what to say. I like red. It's true. What's, good. That, true. what's that picture above your uh, bed? Um, it's, it's fan art from a World of Warcraft map, which is Coldridge Valley, which is a starting zone for dwarves yes. and gnomes. Yes. In World of oh, okay. Um, I'm a big World of Warcraft fan. And I spent a lot of my time in that zone, and I just find it very visually pleasing. I just uh, re-rolled a, a, a tune on World of Warcraft. I re-upped my subscription. I'm back in it, leveled with oh. Katie. So my wife Katie just got her level one twenty, first level one twenty yesterday. So. Wow! Well, we should... because, you know, I don't want to go uh, down a rabbit hole, but. Uh, I'm not too much about the current iteration of World of Warcraft. Mm. Uh, so he's but fair I can't, I can't, Yeah, fair World of Warcraft classic, you know. Excited then? Are we, are are we gonna, excited are about the be, beta news? Are you going to get the, the classic, play uh, WoW classic? Yeah, you know, I, I have to take care of my career as well. So we'll see how hard <laughs> we go. It's, I, yeah. I understand now what, um, you know, I, I played World of Warcraft when I was like 10, 11. And back then, people were like, oh, people are losing their lives. It's so dangerous. You know, people lose their jobs. And now I'm 23, and I'm like, yeah, I can. I sort of understand how World of Warcraft ruined some people's lives. Um, and it's about to ruin mine. So looking forward to it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You're Sign looking at up. the product of it. Hello. Yeah, where, yeah, where, do, where do I sign? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Haikun reminds us so politely, WoW podcast now. It's not. This is an Overwatch, competitive Overwatch We're podcast. allowed to go on tangents. That's, I'll break out that hammer. I got a sword. Equipped. Joe, that's your one. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's your one tangent for the show, though. You sure you want to spend it on WoW? <laughs> You sure? I'm, I'm all in, baby. All right. Well, let's uh, let, before we do, uh, let's do a couple pieces of housekeeping. Uh, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Tactical Crouch, as well as listen to the show anywhere where you can download podcasts, whatever, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Google Podcast. It's everywhere. And, of course, it's on YouTube as well. And we're live streaming on Twitch. We, we've, we actually had an interesting conversation come up on the Reddit thread in competitive mm. Overwatch this week about uh, being more consistent with our times and so we've got a plan for that so uh stay tuned thanks for the Might thanks for the thoughts and the feedback the yeah, yeah i think i think it'll work well for anybody 
But first, I do want to talk Reinforce. You've kind of uh, got this fancy new role in Overwatch League. We want to know more about it. Sure. Yeah, like, can I go on another tangent? Or yes. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, you, you said you have a really fancy, and then I just keep waiting for you guys to point out that I'm wearing a Lunatic High shirt. But no one has picked up on it. <laughs> and, like, this would be the podcast where people know and acknowledge it. And I'm just, come on, guys. That's well, a, well, okay, that's a so Yiska it, and a Volumel thing. It, you if, can blame if them you, right now. You want to go on a tangent. When when was the moment that you decided to pull the trigger? When were you like, you know what? I'm I'm a Lunatic High fan now. When when was that for you? Was that after APAC? Was that, you know, APAC Season 2? When, when did you kind of hit that peak, peak fandom? Well, I didn't want to buy the jersey when I was actively playing against them and competing. Against them. <laughs> but then when I progressively got worse, I was like, well, Miro was a pretty cool guy. So I got a Miro jersey because okay. he sort of set the meta. And, uh, you know, I was really garbage at Winston back then. So I sort of tried to pick up on his style. Mm. Um, and he uh, his play style helped me a lot at improving. Mm. So I was like, yeah, I can be a Lunatic High fan. And I sort of bought into the into the FOMO. The okay. Lunatic High FOMO mm. at the time. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, Where my are new they job now. By the way, hey, yeah, your new <laughs> job. Let's talk about your new job. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's. Talk, I was thinking about Miro playing Apex, but that, let's not talk about that. My new job. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of things this season, but uh, let's let's talk a bit about my my weekly routine. What I do. Yeah. Um, let's do that. For example, this week. Yeah. So um, one things I helped set up. Uh, within the company this year is that we have a weekly research packet for the production and the talent team and everyone involved with the Overwatch League. So every week, uh, together with uh, a person named Matt Marcel, who we hired from uh, Blitz Esports, I like to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also Ben Troutman, who's the legendary stats guy for the Overwatch League. Together with those two, we put together uh, a weekly research packet which is about 50 pages long it has info about all the matchups uh stat leaderboards schedules past matchup uh, results uh storylines and headlines uh, and just delving deep into stats delving deep into stories so does it get depressing out. when no, no one from the crew reads that in full <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember doing that for Contender Season Zero. It was like, oh yeah, I remember that one factoid of um, those fifty pages. Like, well, it, it, you know, I, I feel uh, like I gain a lot from it myself because I reflect mm -hmm. on it. So uh, that's a way, good way to deflect that question. I feel like <laughs> I gain a lot from yeah. writing the packet. Yes, but a lot of people have said that they like the packet and it's a good reminder for all the games, etc. So uh, I'm really happy about it. It looks mm -hmm. nice. I can't show it to any of you guys. I was going to say, I would appreciate the f*** out of that packet, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you no, need, that would be nice reading. No kidding. That would be very interesting, yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be too much pressure on every week sending out a packet. Mm. Look, I can't even tweet without Reddit going insane. How am I supposed to put 50 pages yeah. together without Reddit losing his shit? So, um, yeah, enough. I put that together. Fair enough. Um with those two other guys and uh, then on game days i act a bit of as of a overwatch consultant if you may um i've been helping the observers for example transition from tanks to dps uh, but I, I do not actively observe and i do not actively 
direct the observers, so to speak. But I've given a lot of like feedback, notes, uh, suggestions for how it can improve, etc. And I'm really happy about how the observing was this past weekend. Um, obviously, it can't be perfect because of the human element. Um, but I think overall, I'm happy with week two of stage two. Um, when it comes to all these DPS compositions, it's all over the place. There's Sombras, there's Tracers, Widowmakers, Soldiers. There are DPS heroes all over the place. So I'm pretty happy with the progress we've made in that department. Um, and then to round things out, I also act as a bit of a spotter, I think the term is, or like mm -hmm. a role, um, where I sometimes call for the picture-in-picture uh, -picture cameras, uh, you know, the ultimate zoom-ins and those kind of stuff we use in the broadcast. Uh, the map overlay. So about 50% of the time we use those elements. I'm the one actively like, giving the call to use those elements uh, to try to improve the broadcast. So I do uh, multiple of things, but I'm sort of like the Overwatch consultant uh, and I release that uh, research packet every week. So I do a lot of things within the company. It feels like I keep hearing this, especially from the broadcast team very often that everyone has like three shoes at least to wear I know uh, Captain Planet, I mean, he does the stats. Shoes? You mean hats? Hats? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he made that's hats, a German man. thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but um, <laughs> so I think Captain Planet does, of course, he writes articles. That's one thing. And then he also does the stats and then uh, like prepares them for broadcast and whatever. Like, And then also some some other stuff. It's like... Yeah, it's, it's interesting that the company allows people to, you know, fill in where there's need. That's pretty dope. Yeah, I, I think that Kevin Plant is a bit unique as well, because he's like the ultimate stats guy within the company. And that means that he has a lot of responsibilities to help everyone with the stats, because he's the only one mm. who can actively like, dig and understand everything. Um, but the most important takeaway is that he loves doing it. And mm -hmm. so it's like... I'm pretty surprised every time I come into work and Captain Planet is just like euphoric about his stats and like some new thing he worked on and he's just so happy with everything. Then yeah. I'm just like, you really love this job. And he does so many things within the company um, mm. and he's so happy where uh, he's at. So uh, I I'm a big Captain Planet fan after working that's in production dope. this year. Yeah, it's yeah, good. I am too, by the way, just for the record. Yeah. <laughs> we all are Captain Planet fans. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, do you feel like, are there any, you, we had kind of discussed earlier on that there was some like per, perhaps misconceptions. Do you feel like that should help clear any misconceptions about your new role or do you have any other ones you want to address? Um, no, I wouldn't say there's any more misconceptions. I think the observing one was like the main one yeah. because a lot of people thought I would take over the role that Jason Baker had last year where he's like the director of the observers. That's not really true at all. I'm not directing that so in, in that way. Um, so when we have good observing, you shouldn't really credit me. You should credit the observers. Um, but mm -hmm. if you see that perhaps they have some new philosophy that you guys don't understand, then maybe I had a suggestion, which led somewhere. <clears throat> so sure. I'm a small part and, uh, you know, I'll appreciate, uh, praise and credit, uh, from yes or peak whenever I can. <laughs> Do you think there's, um, there would be value, for instance, even for the observers to read your package, like because okay, sometimes, especially during meta switches, I think it can be very hard for people that have specialized in a different way to immediately send metas. Also, let's not kid ourselves; like narratives sh should probably also shape which player you're observing from, first person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so 
between stages, we um, I did a lot of research as to what teams were playing in scrims to sort of like prepare them mm. uh, ahead of the meta, um, which helped them a lot to you know grind out a philosophy about what they wanted to achieve in stage two. Um, and then on game days, I also tried to actively tell them what the story is going into each game. So for example, if we're going into a halftime where our talent want to highlight so, uh, like a specific player or two specific players, a specific matchup, I might inform them during the game and say like, hey, we might focus on these two players down the line on our broadcast. Um, can you help shape that narrative? Um, and that also goes for like key players in specific matches. Like if Crystal subs in for Hang Xiao, right. that might be someone we want to focus on because that's a pretty big storyline given what happened last week and everything that came out of that camp. So I do inform them about like key players and what our story wants to be. But there's also a bit of, you know, there has to be it has to be objectively good observing. We can't just cater to the story in that regard. So, so I, I tell them like what the story might be, and then they make their own make up their own mind whether they should cater to that story or if they spot uh, something going on somewhere else. And we sort of try to nail down like the best observing uh, mediating between the two uh, factors. So. Yeah, certainly. It, it is something we to, do. Right, you kind of need to, otherwise you form narratives where there aren't and you miss like big plays and then that could inform a new narrative building. Yeah, and, yeah that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, Rick, I'm interested. What did you say in the meeting towards Atlanta Rain and Washington Justice? How would you describe that match and how would you set up that narrative? Like, uh, that's for this Sunday, right? No, that's going. No, no, that was last week. That was last week. Um, last week, Sunday. I, so I, I wanted to say this after you, but I'll let you go first, which is essentially like. It's hard to get storylines for some matches, right? Yes. Um, but, you know, so, some storylines we frequently started to use is like, how is Baby Bay fitting into Atlanta? Um, one, another one is like, where is Daco? It's like, how is FRD filling Daco's shoes? Uh, and so when you get to those matches, it's a lot of like wishful thinking as well. It's mm -hmm. like, is Washington Justice improving? Can they beat Atlanta Rain? You know, like, is this their one opportunity? Uh, yeah. And then Corey sort of shaped the narrative of that match per se, because he had such an amazing Widowmaker play on Busan for like two minutes. Um, <laughs> very valuable two minutes. And that sort yeah. of shaped the story by itself. Um, but it's, it's hard sometimes. Like, I think we have Valiant Florida something this week. You know, like so, some matches Valiant are just harder Washington. than others. Oh, Valiant Washington, right. that's right. So it's like, that See, match would be like, is Valiant improving? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, they, they lost narrowly to a Gladiators team that looks uh, a lot better. But, you know, it's, it's See, harder in that sense. I think it's even not that hard to, to sell the race to the bottom. But what it probably is very hard is like if it's shock against Guangzhou. It's like, yeah, where it's wait, just an obvious, a like, 90% four zero. Yeah. Like, how do you sell that? That's yeah, so hard. I, I think today's matches specifically, or like some of the, this is like a rough day. Oh, yeah. I mean, all, like last all the week. top four teams versus not so good teams. 
Uh, Vancouver Dallas will be good, but I mean yeah. the rest is like super one-sided. Yeah, yeah. Probably. So you know, what, what can you take from that? That's a challenge in itself. Um, but because we have Captain Planet working on these things, yeah. he always has some insight. Um, and then it's a lot of like philosophical ideas about the terror, or uh, sorry, not philosophical, but like hypotheses. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mm. can't even talk. But you get the point. you get the point. Uh, yeah. I get you. Mm. We get you. So you sort of have to have fun with those matches and sort of looking forward to the future and try to gain some knowledge uh, from every matchup because we don't have a lot of matches mm. like this year. Like I think uh, on oversight they mentioned that like oh we've only seen Houston Outlaws play like eight times this year. Yep. So it's hard to like understand what's going on with the Houston Outlaws and how they're shaping mm. their play, etc. So every matchup, we sort of have to try to get some new knowledge um, and try to shape our future narratives. So even though the matches are objectively rough, there's always more information we can extract moving forward uh, and try to improve on analysis in that regard. Sure. When it comes to being slightly cynical, like looking back at season one with your job as now kind of a consultant slash spotter slash man of many hats, are you kind of happy or relieved that you didn't have to kind of shape the Shanghai Dragons narrative for last season because of how just uh, messy they were and how difficult um, it would be to kind of pose a storyline other than just like, is today the day? Well, I mean, back then we wrote a lot of the stories ourselves. So, sure. I mean, I was pretty heavily involved okay. with, you know, how we wanted to talk about the Shanghai Dragons. And, you know, there's some things we learned. We learned a lot from that because mm. at some point you have to be like, we can't talk positively about the Shanghai Dragons. Anymore. All the time, at least. All the time, right. anyway. There was like one time they gave... That was not me, but they gave D a player of the match, where it's like Houston or something, yeah. even though they lost. And it's like, sure, that's a good one-off, but we can't every week just be like, oh, the Shanghai Dragons looked better last week. This player specifically is starting to shine. It's like, you can't do that. That's just mm. not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That's, re- that's not genuine, you know? Mm. Mm. Uh, and so I think we learned a lot from Shanghai Dragons last year. And I think this year we're a bit more, I don't want to say harsh, but when it comes to teams like LA Valiant, Washington Justice, I think we've been more open about, um, you know, there's a Watchpoint segment, like come up with some trades that would benefit both teams, you know? Um, How should Washington Justice uh, move forward with like their team? Like, do they have to make changes? That kind of stuff. So... Uh, we um, it was not the most fun talking about Shanghai Dragons last year, sure. but it was a big lesson going into this year, and I think we've done a uh, yeah. a lot better of a job talking about those sort of bottom feeder teams so far. Last yeah, thing but, on yeah. that, do you feel like you and the talent have kind of created a little bit more structure in that sense, where you now have like, this packet to kind of read over and you know get ideas from? Did you guys kind of have that same resource last year when obviously you were on the desk with crumbs and whatnot? Like, was it more of just kind of grassroots, like you guys can do it on your own, or was there something from on high that was given to you guys? Like, this is what you, we want you to talk about. Is that something that you can even talk about? Uh, Well, I will say that the research packet per se is not like uh, the be-all, end-all. Sure, of course. Or just ideas, Uh, you know, stuff to talk about. Um, But I will say this year, our talent 
um, is spending a lot more time talking with each other and discussing mm. about storylines and trying to like iron things out. So going into our broadcast every week, everyone are sort of on the same page. And maybe the, gotcha. the weekly research packet sort of helps in that regard yeah. because it may it helps people or helps remind the, our talent about what our storylines are, uh, what players we're focusing on, etc. So in that way, I'd say that, yeah, this year, it feels like the talent in that regard is a lot more on the same page. And that helps, for example, ease the transition between the casters to the halftime back yep. to the casters because they're they're all on the same page. Um, and it, it it's not like, oh, uh, the casters want to talk about Muma and the halftime wants to talk about Rock Somebody Pistana. completely different and it's disjointed. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, we came back from halftime um, and they forgot to mention Dante. And it's like, it's all over the place. So right. I say this year specifically, um, we're spending a lot more time talking with each other and being on the same page. And I think that helps elevate the analysis yeah. and what we talk about on the broadcast overall. Dude, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I would totally buy a book of yes, all Yes, I was going to mention that. It, we would totally do that. Yeah. yeah, like a book of just your guys's, you know, at the end of the season, if Blizzard wanted to monetize your research notes and like sell it for 50 bucks, I'd probably buy it. Yeah. Well, you just would. give me a business idea. I Go for it. It. It's a long <laughs> off season. It's a long <laughs> off season, man. It's cold. It's lonely. You know, if you need some extra cash, you might want to hit up a, a publisher. Yeah. I mean, if I sell one copy, I've already made more than I do on Medium. So there you go. I might as well. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yep. All right. Thank you. So there, there is something that we need to talk about. There's an elephant in the room that we knew uh, would be coming oh, into no. this show. And we were... Um, Kind of, we're, we we didn't think that we would quite bring it up, but we feel like we need to bring it up because you are among uh, power ranking royalty, if you will. And it's not a power ranking. <laughs> you, can def- you can deflect all you want, but the the, the fact is no, that you know somebody did uh, some you know some whatever correlative yeah analysis you know rating of, analysis of this and right now your power rankings aren't doing so hot and so uh number one i just wanted to let you know i'm here if you need any advice i'm just kidding <laughs> don't don't come down are you the best no i think i, so, I think he actually is i think I am he was the, the dumbest highest. person on this podcast by far but you parse that information like nobody's business homie but for but some reason but for some reason uh i am i'm higher ranked than, than these uh, yeah, two yeah, he big scored the, i think he scored the highest out of us no reinforce you know how that is like whenever you bet uh, back in sweden you bet on a world cup who wins that pot yeah some bullshitter always <laughs> <laughs> Without fail. Oh, Croatia's gonna make it to the uh, to the grand finals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what? How how dare you? It's like yeah. yeah. I mean, I made some made some bold knowingly picks. bold picks. It's like because to me it was end of season rankings. Yeah. I I you know I went Not on a limb sometimes. We'll redact that and, and cut uh, it out of the show. By the way. <laughs> okay. So you can well, yell all you want. No, I'm just sorry. Kidding. End of season rankings. There you yeah. go. Now you can't. Here's do another it. question. Yeah. Where are those? Uh, prediction thingies you did with the sideshow. Oh, oh yeah, like the uh, big brain. So that was actually pretty time consuming. Oh. Um, and I realized that uh, we just picked the same matches every week. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, it's not really worth it if we're gonna <coughs> pick two different teams every week. It's like, 
And also, I was up like 3 0, and I guess he just gave up. So I was like, man. Oh, there it is. Dropping there some is. shade. Yeah. Well, now we really know who the superior analyst is. So, <laughs> so I, I felt comfortable just like uh, putting down that project while being in the lead. There you go. Uh, cool. While you're ahead. Yeah. It's true. Smart man. Can we move on and not talk about rankings? <laughs> yeah, we can move on and not talk about rankings. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about last week a little bit. There were some interesting results coming in from last week's Overwatch League matches, and uh, one of the big ones is uh, the LA Valiant defeating LA. Previously, Overwatch League's only team without a win, like fixing yeah. to be Shanghai Dragons season one two point um, Atlanta Rain also. Lose so so you know Atlanta Rain have obviously gone through some transition and transformation here with uh, the uh, presumably unexpected retiring of Defran again, re-retiring. Mm. Is that is that is that what we would call it? Was Iska? the first one really a retirement? Uh, according to like the twit longer, I would say so. Like I just don't See? like it. I don't want to do this. Yeah. See if if Blizzard can retire Heroes of the Storm, they can retire the friend. <laughs> oh man, Too that's real something. Talk. That's something. That's yeah. a soundbite. Now use the soundbite. Yeah, both, both, <laughs> both of the Heroes of the Storm players just stopped listening to this podcast. So um... all them. I knew a lot of those guys, and like, they're all playing Artifact now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. I, I actually knew a lot of Heroes of the Storm guys because yeah. I used to be a Heroes of the Storm observer, and oh, uh, I didn't know that. when their game quote unquote died. They were like, do you think we could get into Overwatch? And I was like, uh, you know, it's a, it's an uphill battle for sure to try to become an Overwatch pro. Mm. It, it's hard to transition from a MOBA into Overwatch, I'd say, in that regard. So that, that was a bit of a sad Twitter yeah. DM conversation. Just like, do you think I could go pro in this other game? And I was like, no. Maybe no, you had your time in a lot of, bi a lot of big prize pools. And now it's over. Yeah. Feels bad, man. Right there. Yeah, feels bad, man. Big feels bad, man. But let's talk about Valiant defeating Atlanta. Uh, there's, oh, yeah. there's obviously a few things um, going on here. Number one, LA, or not not LA, Atlanta's transition, having yeah. Baby Bay coming in, DeFran going out. Um, let's talk about that first. Reinforce, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you feel like uh, Baby Bay played this last week because. To me, it it actually, you know, his Zarya especially was something that I was, you know, he, it, kind of kind of potent. But then again, it was against the Valiant. But it was, yeah. uh, it was mm. uh, kind of intense. Well, um, oof! Like you could <laughs> I was not it. too much in favor of the pickup initially, um, and I understand that, of course, uh, Brad has a history with Baby Base. Yes. Um, and he sort of knew what he got with Baby Bay, but I don't know if that was like a desperation desperation pickup, or if he like sincerely wanted Baby Bay in the lineup. Um, but I did not like this pickup. We sort of everyone knows what type of player Baby Bay, Baby Bay is. Of course, like great individual skill, very aggressive. We learned last year, um, but you know he. <laughs> hmm. Come on. I, I, yeah. Okay. I, I think his Graviton surge used Not it. good. It's not been not great. Good. I'll say it so for it's, you. So it's interesting here because I want to be fair because looking at the stats we have available. Sure. 
he deals a lot of damage. And he's actually pretty high in uh, a lot of our categories we use to rank things in. Specifically hero damage, he's pretty highly rated in. But then his Graviton Surge efficiency is way down there. And sure, Fury kind of ruined it for him. Um, and I think if we remove that match alone, I think his stats look a lot better. But even so, I, I think that Atlanta sort of suffers from not having the best team atmosphere uh, team atmosphere, and not really being able to adapt a style properly. And to me, in my mind, it's going to be hard for the Atlanta Reign to sort of find a new style after Dafran left with Baby Bay in the lineup. I would have preferred to see them pick up perhaps some lesser-known player that has a lot of potential down the line and sort of try to build on something rather than try to be good now by getting someone that has a lot of individual skill in Baby Bay but doesn't necessarily have perhaps the peak potential in my mind to compete with these top teams. Um, And so, you know, you can look at this pickup and be like, yeah, he's providing a lot of damage done and like it's not necessarily his fault that atlanta rain are underperforming you know where's Daco? what's going on with kodak and dogman they're into like playing every other matchup it's like there's a lot of problems but i don't think baby bay in that regard helps this atlanta rain team um and so those are sort of my thoughts on this pickup i like the way that you kind of frame that though i think that that is that's one way that i haven't heard it immediately framed a lot of people just go well defran was good and baby bay is not so therefore atlanta sucks now right and i I don't think that's very nuanced and there's not a lot there to it and i think the way that you frame that was good um do you think that because it feels like okay from the outside perspective it feels like atlanta was built kind of around defran in one way right um you know you play off of him he kind of sets people up or at least he's in the he's the focal point of a lot of their plays when you add in baby is this them trying to kind of maintain that same style with somebody who is pretty vocal i'd say just talking to some of the coaches at least last season very vocal almost too much so um, has a mechanical skill, doesn't have to have an import. You know, you don't have to work on a visa. It is kind of an emergency fit. Do you think that they were trying to maintain that same style and it just hasn't, you know, necessarily worked out because yeah, of this uncomfortability? Sure. That, that's definitely probable, you know, that they just wanted to replace the front. But the interesting thing here is that Brad said mm-hmm. on Oversight that this team was built in mind if the front was ever to go. They said true. that even if the front leaves... That is true. You know, this team is going to be okay. And Dafran was just like the cherry on top, you know. But as it stands, that's definitely not the case. Mm-hmm. Which sort of makes me question what Endler is doing on this lineup. Is his, Are they just mm. not playing to his skills? Like, yeah. sure, Endler might not be the best Saria, but we've seen a lot of teams have success playing other DPS heroes. So in my mind, I would sort of try to cater to Endler, knowing that you pick this guy up, and believed you could have a completely good, well-rounded six-man roster with this guy. Because, mm. I, I mean, I'm not even thinking about Defran and what he contributed to this Atlanta team. If you truly believed that this Atlanta Reign team would be fine without Defran, then you must have had some confidence in what um, and Layer could provide to this lineup. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of confused in that regard why they yeah. were so quick to just pick up Baby Bay and not try to find a new style without the front um, mm. by themselves. 
and then um, I believe you said something else, but I forgot about it. Um, no, I think I think you I think you kind of covered most of it there. Yeah, I, I, someone in the chat, uh, Vermilion, brought up that it's a very emotional team, yeah. but I think we all know, and I think Baby Bay know. So this is not necessarily like flaming him, but he's a very emotional player as well, yeah. and he has tendency to perhaps tilt. You know, going back to the Kungarna days, even, um, and so I'm like. Is this the emotional player you necessarily want to replace Dafran that um, perhaps wouldn't be as satisfied in game if you started losing and things weren't going well? Wouldn't you perhaps want a more emotionally stable player to, to start building around? And so you would have an easier time transitioning from Dafran into a new lineup. I, I think that they sort of made a mistake in not considering the potential atmosphere within the team if they need if they need perhaps three four weeks to start rebuilding in that regard so i th i think this was a missed opportunity and a bit of a slip up from atlanta do you think that they had uh, much time to make this decision like do you i, I don't know if you have any so. insight but like is this something that you think maybe ha happened over the course of a week whereas maybe a lesser known player you might need a little bit longer a little bit more to time to, to kind like of build, implement yeah. them into the system yeah but sort of my take on that was um why are you so quick to make the decision? Like, do you really like if you trusted Enlayer to provide something to this lineup? That's where I wonder you, if things yeah. maybe at the beginning or towards the middle of stage one, things were going very well yeah. behind the scenes. And then once Defran started to kind of make notions that this wasn't for him anymore, they start to practice with Enlayer a little bit more and yeah. just it, it, maybe this is going back to kind of tying it full circle with Daco. Where is he? Yeah. Is this is that part of the reason? Is there are there things going wrong behind the scenes? Is the dugout not great? Yeah. What's going on there? Why was it positive at the beginning and now we're making these these kind of last second changes? Yeah, and I will say I didn't expect I don't expect Enlayer to be a great Saria. Sure, like I I don't know a ton about this player. I will say, but I know that he has sick hit scan capabilities, and so. If you need to get him into the lineup, then perhaps don't play as much goals. You know, try something else. Try to mess around, and that's very controversial. And sure, I, I see, I see Jeska mm. uh, moving around, no, and I, I, I sort agree. Of get, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm just a bit scared when Jeska starts moving around. He starts out. Oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I, so like, given the Houston Outlaws discussion as well, it's like you can't just change your team. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. You know. Um, not that quickly. There's a lot of things going on here, and I don't really agree with the way things were done. Yeah. That's fair. So I think for Atlanta, they got the wrong player from the shock. I think the player they sure. should have wanted is Nevix. I think Nevix solves a ton of issues. Would solve a ton of issues for them. Next up player on the, uh, on the tab would be uh, Rice, Wan J. Lee. That is some someone would, I would absolutely demote one of the Zen players at this point. So I don't think that. I, I love that, the that, I love the idea of Nevix, but do you think it's actually realistic for a player like Nevix to want to step down from a top four ish? Team I think to so. Go play Not really his call though. Can start. Yeah, I think it, yeah. I agree with I agree with reinforce. Not his call, but I also think that if you can start. I think that might be something that players are interested in. I mean, that, that sounds like something that Baby Bay would be interesting, interested sure, in. Sure, sure. Probably in part why he's there. Definitely. Um, I'm I think not, a I'm lot of like, teams would benefit from Nevix. 100%. Not even Atlanta yeah. Green. Like, a lot of teams yeah. would. Yeah. 
he's oh. waiting he's just waiting to be bought out i'm telling like there's a lot of teams like you said you can i think he could probably make even a dps comeback if he really wanted to and like season three a team wanted to be like hey nevix we want to bring you on you have like this crazy flexibility let's let's just see what we can do let's adapt to the meta when it comes like we'll be ag- meta agnostic as brad said um so he could do it all i think can I go on another tangent? Go for it, my friend. So, you get it. You're I have a get bit of a full screen camera for this tangent. Yeah. <laughs> I have a bit of a emotional co- connection to Nevix, given yes. that he was my former teammate, but also because he's Swedish, right? Mm-hmm. And I have this dilemma in the NBA as well, because there's only one Swedish player in the NBA, and his name is Jonas Jebko, and he's a bench player for the Golden State Warriors. And so I go like, sure. The only Swedish player in the league, he only sees like 10 minutes of play every NBA game. That's not a lot for an NBA player. But he's on the Golden State Warriors, right? He could win a ring. He could be like the first speed to win an NBA ring, you know, at the end of this year. And so I'm like, do I want to see more playtime out of the only Swedish player in the NBA? Or would I rather have him win? the entire thing, right? And makes Sweden proud. And that's the same dilemma I have with Nevix, where I'm like, would I want to see one of my best former teammates and a successful Swedish player in the Overwatch League play every game? Or would I rather have him on the bench on San Francisco Shock, where he could be like, play a map in the 2019 Grand Finals, you know? Yeah. So I have a big emotional dilemma in this. So I'm like, yeah, Nevix. Can you go to like some other bottom team or like at the same time, you're doing really well for yourself on the bench on San Francisco. I'm like, "Ah." was it Fissure's move away from um, Spitfire that was that talked about the the head of or the the tail of a dragon versus what the head of a snake? Is that is that the the term? Yeah. So basically, it's like, do you want to be the tail of this big, powerful dragon? Or do you want to be the head of this less powerful yeah. uh, snake mm. kind of thing? Um, but the but it's the same idea, right? It's the idea mm-hmm. of like, do you want to be a good player on a bad team that sees play, or do you want to be a a good yeah. player amongst a lot of good players? I mean, when teams. when people ask me like, what Overwatch League team would you like to play for? I say New York Excel. <laughs> oh my win. god, dude! <laughs> oh my god, this means absolutely nothing. Like. <laughs> I, I remember that's the uh, bandwagoner. <laughs> well, yeah, but know. sitting on the bench do, doesn't do anything. Like, well, I'd win. It, exactly. Yes, but so would I. Bandwagoning. You're just getting paid <laughs> for that shit. Oh, <laughs> you're just, you get the big boo. That's a bad. I don't think you can call him out right there. if you're just yeah. gonna be like, I'm just a fan of whoever wins. <laughs> no, if, I'm, I don't have uh, a problem with that. I'm, I have a problem with like what kind of self conception as a player do you have? Because I. But by the way, I think we are underselling what Atlanta could be with just two or three uh, sales. Like sure. I even free up resources by your, selling Darko. Half of your roster, by the way, like half of your yeah. I don't even roster. think you need two to three. I think two to three is a lot what, of moves. I think you could make one to two and still be yeah. head and shoulders. Yes. Yeah, but like Darko and Navix should probably command about the same. Even though I don't think I it's warranted. I think Nevix is even better than Darko. I think he's a steal. Um, and then get a flex support. Okay, the, the Zarya is still a problem. 
I I would have liked to have that decision when once you had to uh sure you replaced a friend and then have that discussion. But I think there's there was or still is an opportunity there for them to become at the very least a, uh one of the top twelve teams so they get into the play-ins. I I mm. think even better possibly. I I'd rather use the DPS than a flex support. I think Dogman provides a lot to this team, especially like emotionally um, from listening to his communication in the stage one playoffs like he was the most encouraging and the best teammate on the stage and i think that helps this team a lot especially Mm -hmm. if you have players that tilt but i don't like where their dps is at and Mm -hmm. i would like perhaps an off tank like you say navix would be good Mm-hmm. But also another DPS to sort of complement this roster, and then Popo is really good. Masa is really good, you know. Mm-hmm. On, on on the topic of Atlanta's DPS, have you? And we haven't seen him play a lot of DPS, but one of the more uh, exciting picks that I thought bring, coming into the league was Erster. What have uh, have you have you been a have you been a fan? Have you been converted? What are, what are your thoughts? So people rave about Erster, but I'm gonna be honest. I don't know a lot about him. Not a lot of people do, to be fair. It's true. That's true. Uh, we it, Joe and I casted to Chinese contenders to together. It. We were we yeah. were there those th- four a.m. nights to so watch Erster I... play multiple contender seasons over and over yeah. um, oh, on boy. broadcast GG. So yes, to be I fair. I mean, continue. again, there's a lot of Overwatch. You got to go out of your way to find it. You know. He is a player that could be interesting, and hopefully if we can see yeah. more DPS, Atlanta has a good shout there. But we're seeing a little bit, a little bit you know, the weird um, boosted Junkrat on Temple has been popping around. I think he yeah. provides a, a good shout for that as well. So just, just be on the lookout, I'd say. And if you're not uh, converted, just uh, be prepared, I'd say. No, it's just like I don't just know enough about him sure. to what I can speak on. You know, I don't want to be disingenuously hyping. I, I, I've heard a lot of talent typing up Erster, and I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. But personally, I just don't know much about him. I, I do want to deflect a bit and, sure. and scapegoat myself a bit here. Because when I, when I produce the game, like in the production, mm-hmm. there's a different mindset from analyzing the game mm-hmm. and trying to predict the game for our production. That's sure. True. And so I'm a bit upset this year because I feel like I've lost my edge when it comes to analyzing a bit. Um... Because I don't have time to like really get sure, the yeah. nitty gritty yeah i hear you and so like yeah. after the games uh and also we have so many games so they just blend together sometimes mm-hmm. so it's like when people ask me like oh what did you think about uh the way super approached the neutral in this map specifically <laughs> and i'm like Can you give me a it, little bit more there because yeah. i'm you know there's a lot of games in this mind mm-hmm. bank i gotta yeah. you know no I, it's like I, oh he swung a bit and he had his shield up you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to me, you know. So uh, on, on that topic, Arister, I just haven't observed him enough to like. That's appreciate. fair. That's fair. Are you are you on the the train of you know adopting with the, the whole neutral phenomenon? I, I I've been somebody that's followed a lot of other esports, so the neutral is a game that kind of comes from um, the fighting game kind of community and and bringing it over at Overwatch. Has that been something that you found solace in and? trying to explain it to people it, kind of uh, using this term in, in this game in particular is it something that you're um, excited to see the the continuation of yeah i mean i just find it a very um easy word to use to describe yep. Yep. 
for what it describes, yeah. Because a lot of the times when I was playing professionally as well, it's like, especially on control maps, it's like, how do you execute the first fight? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how do you use your... Because then you have no ultimates. So it's about ability usage in that regard. So it's like, where do you uh, jump for positioning? How do you use your Winston bubble? That kind of stuff. And I think the neutral is a way, great way to just describe mm-hmm. those kind of fights. So I, I'm all for it. Yeah, sure. Like I want to like move it. on to the next thing. So we've got a couple points. Sure. And then yes. I want to make, uh, I want reinforced to make some predictions on the show. Oh, because no. that's my favorite part. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see if he can redeem himself from his power rankings. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, Dallas Fuel and LA Gladiators <laughs> are kind of, uh, right now, at least on the desk, the vibe kind of is, is Dallas Fuel and LA Gladiators are teams that are vying for that number four, number five spot. Uh, like kind of eking into the top four in Overwatch League. Reinforce, I'd love to know, number one, do either of those teams deserve to be in that top four contention here for stage two? Um, and then in your opinion, who do you think is better overall as a team? Yes, I'd definitely say both of those teams go there. Um, I'd say Sideshow is a bit more hot on the Dallas Fuel than I am. Um, but I'm a bit scared of the Dallas Fuel because it feels like this year's LA Valiant. They're like... Ooh. super consistent Ooh, that's, a, that's a really interesting people yeah. will like hmm. people will like sort of underrate that's them true. because they don't necessarily have amazing star players it's like when i think of akm i'm like super talented hit scan has some great pop-off moments great soldier play widowmaker stuff like that you know but i don't think of him as carpe or profit hmm. and that's decay in my mind i i don't care if yiska disagrees with me here i sort of buy into the decay hype a lot um, and so I'll, I sort of like the LA Gladiators because they have that superstar effect where it's like, Definitely. oh, they're a, they're a good all-around team. And then they have Decay, yes. who's amazing individually. I agree. But because Dallas Fuel doesn't have that, it's harder, like, emotionally. There must be some, like, psychological condition here where because they don't have, like, a superstar player... Yeah. It's just mentally harder for you to appreciate their skill or like their peak potential in that regard because they win through teamwork and execution of tactics. They don't win through just overpowering people with individual skill. And so that's why I'm leaning LA Gladiators, but I would not be surprised if the Dallas Fuel just surprise everyone. Um, they do have an easy, I, I will say, they, after this week, they play Vancouver and they play Seoul. Both Vancouver is going to be a hard so. match. So yes, that's going to be a great look for them. But then they go to they go home. They play in Dallas with the home stand. I think they re- renamed it. And they're playing Valiant and they play Houston. Both very very easy matches at home should be great for them. Then they play Florida to close out the stage. Yeah, this should be a stage playoff berth. Yeah, easily for them. That's the cool part about this because. No matter what happens, we will probably see them stage playoffs, and then yeah, get it we, we'll get to have a better feeling about yeah. them because I'm still not sure. Yeah. I think, but, I think they'll get there. I just don't know how far they're going to go in the stage playoffs. I haven't been sold just yet. Yeah. By the way, about the LA Gladiators thing, I completely agree, uh, agree on DK. Like I said before the season. Watching Decay and also sort of like his career, this guy has been nuts. I think since Apex season three, three or two, three, even yes, three, three, yeah. And he honestly gave me profit and Fleda vibes at yep. times. Kid's crazy um, good. So I know some people aren't convinced of his Genji. I I think it's just not as flashy and 
possibly not as effective because let's uh, face it like profits genji is also not flashy it's just very effective right so they're, they're was, certainly always was that. but yeah 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 i mean not that they get to play it at all <laughs> but um yeah depending on what the meta does i think gladiator is certainly a team that grows from that because yes they have superstar potential and then that's a, I would that's say, a franchise player right there yeah 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 and yeah. we we had um the pay on on uh on here and he tried to like oh this is an 18 year old kid and whatever so right be i i gotta get a package real quick <laughs> we we even knew this so props yes, to yeske by the way he told us ahead of time he's like i might have to get up ahead of and, and, and get a package I don't know what it I'll is. I hope it's something great. Um, is it? Did you send him something? No, I wish I sent him something. <laughs> One I, small factoid that I do want to talk about yeah, with Decay is, funnily enough, Kong. He he came from Kongdu Uncia, right? From before he was on Panther, he was on Uncia. And if you go even farther back, Bird Ring was on Kongdu Uncia originally. So it's Ooh. funny that they had. Two pretty but prolific you can, players you for can their put time. Put that in your fifty-page uh, yes. thing. Put that in your document. for free. For free. But but there again, you saw Bird Ring fall off, so I, I don't want to prescribe that same kind of uh, theme around Decay because I think he's very young. I think they have a very very talented player on their hands, and it's just funny to see that old Apex Season Three Kongdu Uncia lineup. Like yeah. they had some killers on that squad. It's really they, fun to go back they, and look at yeah. Those. I think uh, I'm gonna go on another tangent. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, okay. no, this is what this is for. All right, cameras I'm ready. Let's go. This, the second name of this podcast, by the way, Wild <laughs> Tangents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love going back on Wikipedia and like look looking up old rosters. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's a lot of good memories and a lot of great players. And my favorite team in Overwatch, which I find just bonkers and. Um, no, not the team bonkers. They were horrible. Um, but a team that I find so fascinating and we don't get to talk about really is Cyclones. Oh, what the fuck was up with that team? They were amazing at triple DPS for like four months oh. and then all their players just vanished. Boombox, yeah. you know, successful. Everyone Original else. Jonek. Poof. Yeah. All their players are like forgotten about how they were like the second best or third best team in europe with uh reunited at the time and now all their dps players are just gone i'm like flabbergasted i'm like what happened to this team because mm. i played versus those guys and they were fucking amazing mm. and now they're all just gone so that was a small tangent on correct me if i'm wrong but was it at TakeOver 2 that they had to yeah. have, like, a stand-in and then the org, like, there there was, like, then they got dropped? Like, was that one of their... I, yeah, I, think and it again, was, I believe it was TakeOver 2. Yeah. United could... went to Korea to boot camp. Uh -huh. They didn't like their flex support. Um, I think it was uh, a Russian flex support Rubicon or something like that? No. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think yeah, it was Rubicon. Right yeah. And they were like, oh like two weeks ahead of takeover two we're going to poach boombox from the ah. second best team in europe um and then they got another flex support to play for cyclones mosasa left for another team or something mm -hmm. I don't know and what, then they I had know. to have their, oh, like, he went manager to, step in he went to alico's team 
Yes. Laser kittens. Laser That's kittens. That's an L. Yeah, That's yeah, an yeah. L. <laughs> and so the coach had to play main tank. And this legendary team, who was honestly the second best team in Europe, like they were on par with United and Rogue, two legendary old European wow. teams. They were on yeah. par with those guys. And they just fell flat because they had to play with a coach and a standing flex support. That, that's honestly my favorite team in Overwatch history, almost. Mm. It's I'm I remember amazed. the hype being pretty like big around them, but yeah, they, they kind of definitely brought up the fact that they were kind of poached through. Was that one of the only... And again, I could be misremembering, but was that like the the one of the only bigger events that they were participating in? Yeah. Did they participate? In like there some, were no events. So that was like their that. one chance. Well, true. Yeah, you're right. That's like we did some online tournament. Well, go for it. For misfits. And I was like, yeah. I was making big salaries just playing online tournaments i was like this is pretty cool <laughs> well, so there was no tournaments cyclones rebranded right they were cyclones before or some version yes, of like then the they're like cyclones. org dropped and then the them. org dropped them so they yeah. changed to cyclones yeah yeah i don't remember and, specifically that, yeah. that was a tangent for you that was, <laughs> that was oh time. man just so like overwatch, overwatch history Le there's actually competitive overwatch history now like i yeah. remember like watching takeover 2 and being like uh, there's not really any history to Overwatch. It's kind of like this weird thing. And now we're we're in Overwatch League Season yeah. 2. The game's been out for, I don't know, like four years now probably. And we've got this like yeah. history. Does and it mildly tilt your reinforce that people think that the game's only been competitive for two years? Um, uh, not as hard as other people. There are some people... Uh, that I work with that love their uh, old narratives, etc. And perhaps I should, considering I was relevant. Yeah, back you, then. I mean, you were a player. But, yeah, but I'm also like, I can understand how we didn't know what the fuck we were doing back then. And now we're building history with legit coaches and strategies and tactics. But mm. we had to get there somehow. Yeah. So I'm a bit on the fence where I'm like, yeah, don't discredit everything I did and how good the teams were that I was on, you know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, we didn't have a coach and we didn't know what we were doing. Um, but, you know, I, 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 no, sorry, I take that back. I won't say we didn't know what we were doing. Wins, I have to give credit to Wins. He was ahead of his time in Overwatch. He mm -hmm. had so many good philosophical ideas. Might not have understood how Lucio was played, <laughs> but... Because of him, Can't win Rogue was the best team in the world for like two, three months. So yeah. I will give him that yeah, credit. For sure. uh, he knew what the fuck he was doing. Basically, there, he he has some hot takes, and I can respect you know somebody coming out there and, and voicing their opinion. But there are times where he just says some some shit that I'm like, hmm, sure, I've never yeah. really thought it that way. And I'm like, okay, wins. Yeah. I see you out there. You still you still got you still got it. You still seeing the but game. We were the best team for a reason. But yes, he has some hot takes. So it's mm. my take on that. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, um, there, there's one more thing. I, I want to touch on this very, very briefly for a second. NYXL have not dropped a map through four matches in in stage two. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really, like, I just, like, overall, I want to know, uh, Reinforced, like, what's your thoughts on that? Is this an NYXL team rebounding from kind of a pretty embarrassing loss against Seoul in the playoffs? Or is this just a par for the course based on the teams that they played? It hasn't been the most exciting beginning of the stage? Like, what's your thoughts on NYXL right now in stage two? Uh, so, not taking stage one playoffs into account, they haven't lost a regular season map 
since week three in stage yeah. one. Damn. Yeah. They take it a lot more seriously this year around, I would say. Last year, they were like, oh, it's map four. I feel like Vancouver does that too. Yes. When they're like map fours, they're like, meh, you Trying know, to break out the Genji. Hoxall, go ahead. Yeah. But I think New York Excelsior are like feeding from the energy of Vancouver Titans, and they're like, Somebody we're going to win every them. fucking map, yeah. and we're going to put our foot down. Um, and I think it's really good for the league, and it's good for New York Excelsior. So as long as they don't fuck up in play, it's really impressive how dominant they are. And Shock as well. Like Vancouver, Shock, and New York, they all just dumpster nice. their opponents. Like, no hesitation. It's like, oh, we're going to fuck around on map four. No, it's like, no, we're going to hold your spawn on Gibraltar. It's like, Shock has done that two times in a row. Yeah. It's like they just demoralize their opponents. And it's so impressive. So, um, I mean, I'm all for it. <laughs> Dude. That is why stage playoffs are so dope and should be valued higher by everyone, basically. Because we now have a system where these teams can avoid them, the, each other, and we can have three or four perfect stages, theoretically, right? So for them to then converge in, in the stage playoffs and then actually fight out who the best team is, is super dope and also yeah. should have even more impact on what you think is the best team in Overwatch than last year, I think. Yeah. Cool. I think um, I think map differential as a whole, I think people are getting more respect for how it helps them in mm -hmm. the season as well. Like last year, we saw that seeding can determine a lot. And even in the stage playoffs, we saw that seeding can, uh, or yeah. like uh, map differential can determine yeah. the seeding and contribute to your overall success a lot more. And so even though we have fewer matches and there's been some controversy in the past about, you know, there's too small of a sample size to determine who the top eight teams are every stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you gain some more respect, especially the teams competing. They gain a lot more respect for the map differential and what every map means. So, yeah. um, I mean, I enjoy that. I think that's really fun. Like LA Gladiators sit at 4-0, but their map differential is plus 8. Right. New York's is plus 15. Yeah, it's almost twice the map differential. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, totally agree. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. NYXL. Let's go. Let's talk about this next week coming up, though. There's uh, a couple of uh, games that I want to talk about, or matches that I want to talk about, and I want some people to make some predictions here, because uh, what kind of Overwatch League-based podcast would we be if we didn't uh, make some predictions on the show. And so uh, if you are watching on video, I do have these submitted emotes for Yiska and Joe. By the way, Reinforce, <laughs> looking good, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. Look, looking good in that little, uh, in your, your, uh, your yeah. You always you look really headset. good with that headset on, man. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know if it's a natural thing. For do you hate whatever, his ears? Like... What? Are you, is that your way to tell him that you hate his ears? Like, just walk around the mall, like, with the, your headset on. Looks so dope, dude. <laughs> come on. Come on, This Yiska. is what we deal with on let's a daily get, basis. Let's get here, Yiska. by the way. I let's... appreciate your yeah, I, I got it, though. Yeah, yeah. I am entertained. That's all. <laughs> I, I have in-ear monitors. I wear these big things because I don't like my ears, but I like... Uh, I, you want I, another tangent? I've never seen... You want to talk oh, about it? I've never seen Johnny's ears. <laughs> all right, yeah, go session. ahead. 
I looked through Kick Tripod's uh, uh, streaming gear, and I was like, oh, he has $600 headset. You know, like, holy shit, that must be good. And I, I look at this uh, description box. It has one review, and it's one star. And I'm like, I hope it was worth the money, you know? One review, one star. You can't you can't actually buy them from Amazon, okay? For the for, oh. for a reason. At least you couldn't at the time. So I'm just saying. Maybe skewed. By the way, Maybe I'm not skewed. telling people to buy six hundred dollar headphones, but when it comes down to being able to put a pair of headphones on your head for twelve hours a day, uh, that's true. I'm, I'm, Sometimes, I'm yeah. My headphones actually broke, so I'm not as happy anymore. I've had these oh. for three years. And uh, like 12 hours a day for three years, and they broke, and uh, I submitted a ticket this morning. So I'll let you know. Cool. I, I'm sure you care a lot about Be sure that. to tweet that. <laughs> Send me a DM. Yeah, for sure. I'll let you know how it goes. We'll, we'll, I don't know. We'll make an Instagram uh, yeah. story about it. Yeah, it'll be. I sort of regret going on this tangent now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Feels real good. All right. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk Titan about fuel, huh? So yeah, uh, so Titans fuel. So here's the thing, right? I, I knew when we talked about the Dallas fuel being a potential, you know, top four, top five team that this would, this would probably gauge a lot on how worthy they are of, you know, being considered in that top three with, you know, to what Titans Excelsior shock. Right. So, yeah. um, and we're going to kind of go around the horn here. Anybody, <laughs> like, the question is, does anyone think the Fuel beat the Titans? Uh, but in, in general, um, is there a world where uh, any of you would place a bet against the Vancouver Titans against the Dallas Fuel? Let week, me see these this maps. Week? There is a world. One. There is a world, yes. Is that world this world? Um, dude, this world started very well in that sense with Huxley going off. <laughs> if you need to bench him, maybe like that is that is something I would consider in my percentages now. So, in other words, no, nobody would pick Vancouver mm, Titans no. over the fuel. Oh, Vancouver! Other other way, another way around. I I don't think I we'd take Vancouver, the fuel yeah. over the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's more interesting the percentages, like yeah, like, Winston's For lab. Sure. How much would you give Dallas? Like I could, I could give them like thirty. Yeah, I could say thirty mm. after last week. Thirty's good. I think they're being a little bit playful. I'd yeah. say. I won't say sandbagging. I'd say something tells me that they're not taking every match as seriously as they should, and they could get caught much in the same way they did last stage when they went to Game Five against Guangzhou. Granted, that was a completely different Guangzhou. I don't even think they're in the same level anymore. Um, and even, you know, stumbling against Chengdu, like, I don't think they were prepped. I don't think they were ready. I think they kind of slept on those teams. Are they sleeping on Dallas? I don't know. I think they need a loss. Is this the time they get that loss? I don't think so. So Dallas Fuel are 2-0, and 6-1-1, oh, one one, plus 5 map differential. Basically, they've, they've dropped the map. So... Yeah, 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 yeah. We're in Oregon to say. Don't even, just don't even, just don't even say it. It was against Toronto, and then that Paris match was not clean, I'll say. They beat Paris. I don't think it was as clean as they would have liked. I will say, I made like a small Twitter thread the other week about playing with self-confidence and how much it matters. And I will say, if Dallas Fuel play without hesitation 
and they play self-confident this series, I can see it going to map five. If they hesitate for one bit sure. or start to question their strategy or if they start to question their tactics or start to question their own skill going up against Vancouver, I think they're done for. If OG goes in there and he's ready to fuck things up, I think he very well could take it to map five. Yeah. It, it's interesting. It's it's interesting how he said it. Like, in my mind, Vancouver Times is like the Gurren Lagan of teams where Bumper is just like, <laughs> so many people, me so that many people hate you right now, by just the way. Yeah. Okay. Jumps into that, like, into the front line and just, um, like, if you have someone that, I think, especially if there is a way you're the initiator, I think that, like, you inspire confidence then yeah, in, definitely. in others, right? So having like a super aggressive tank, even though, like, you know, statistically that might not work out, you could even make that argument for last year for Fraggy that this was one of the reasons why okay. that worked. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Do you think the style of beating Vancouver is fighting fire with fire, that you have to kind of match them and almost be more beat them on their own tempo and be more aggressive? Or do you think there is a way to kind of counter jujitsu them into encounter them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you Z think the in. best case is to out tempo them and just we play don't fast? know. We yeah. would know if they played New York yet. That is the problem for me. Like that That's those familiar. are like this style is clashing. So then you would have an, a definitive answer, right? If that works or not, because that that's like you know the two uh, uh, karate schools, yeah, yeah. and like if you, they never meet, and that is on NYXL, then yeah, what like we are don't know. these analogies? You're so good at analogies, and you give us Gurren Logan and karate I, I, schools. I, I, I like the second one. The first one was a little bit niche. Gurren Logan and karate schools? Are you kidding me? Are you what was, kidding? Me? What were the two dojos? Input in, output, uh, dude. Sure. <laughs> it's like the village uh, hidden in the leaf. There we this go. The now we're hidden in the sand. Yep, okay. Just... Yiska. All right. Full weeb. Jeez. No, that's what uh, we need. Jeez. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to go on to the second one, though. I want to talk about London Spitfire versus Boston Uprising. This is where I think we're going to differ. All yeah. right. So, Boston Uprising are. Uh, Currently in stage two, two and one, eight and seven map differential. While uh, London Spitfire are three and zero, oh, eight two and two, coming off of a really, I would say, a weak stage one. Reinforce. Is there a world? Do you pick uh, that the, the, the uh, uprising Spitfire? Like who? Who do you have your money on this week? And how much money did you bet? No, just kidding. But seriously, I bet a thousand bucks on the London Spitfire. A thousand bucks. I don't yeah. know what the relative amount is. So it sounds like a lot of money. Scrim but... Thousand scrim bucks. Thousand yeah, scrim thousand bucks. Scrim yeah, bucks yeah. Um... Thousand scrim yeah. bucks, yeah. I, I, I'm really buying I mean, into the London Spitfire, honestly. I mean, I'm bullish really on the London Spitfire. Uh, I'm really happy <laughs> seeing them go back to a bit more Winston and yeah, a bit more sure, DPS sure. compositions. So, I mean, I'm on that train. Uh, am I a London Spitfire fanboy? Not really. But uh, I am very happy to see them sort of return to their, um, I was going to say good form, but they were very up and down in 2018 as well. Mm. But they look better nonetheless. It seems like they're peaking in their uh, roller coaster throughout 2019. So 
Um, I think they're going to climb to the top and then they're sort of going to uh, come down crashing in like stage three or four again. Oh, and you then see, peak for playoffs. Be the reverse of last season where yeah, they peak like, early and then they clash I, or play out. Okay. I remember watching one of Yiska's videos, which was like about waves or uh, mm-hmm. sea mm-hmm. level rising or something yeah, like yeah. that, you know? Like, Lono Spitfire is the wave and I'm riding it right now. <laughs> yes. And then they're going to come crash. All right, fair you enough. Know- who, you know, which wake never bro- broke this season is already riding high. Profit, dude. Like, yeah. I, I need to point it out again. This guy has not slumped a single game again. It's nuts. This kid can do every fucking thing. Like, I just, I, I just need to set this marker so people still believe when I may eventually make the greatest of all time argument. Because I think we're getting there, slowly but surely, depending yeah, on how high yeah. you... Uh, wait Overwatch League results. Of course, his career has not been as long as someone like AKM or whatever, but yeah, this kid's still nuts on everything. It's unreal. I think he's the greatest. So, yes, Gary, you go on Spitfire? Yes. Fair enough. Joe, what about you, man? I think this, I, I would be much more willing to give London a shout if they played guard. I think guard's been tragically missed in this lineup. I think they would be overall better if they played guard over bird ring. Um, I still think goats is the default and I, I would wager that the better goats team in most of these matches are winning. And I think Boston is the better goats team. I, I do agree that London could throw Boston some different looks. Are those looks strong enough to throw Boston off their game? I don't think so. Um, I agree that gesture having a return to his wheelhouse on Winston was something that I praised them for or used as a, uh, a narrative point to put them forward, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen them, uh, succeed as much as I was hoping they would see part of my argument in saying that it's Spitfire is also that, okay, I, I have to be fair. I haven't given RCK a fair look in Boston yet. But I think it will ultimately, like when people say that trade worked out for both parties, I don't think it will eventually for uh, Boston. I think that it's might become a problem. Works, though, but... I'm coming around with them, man. Yeah. I like at some point something's got to break with them. And if this is the trade that breaks the system, possibly, but it doesn't seem like the players matter. I think they can just that they're. I'm I'm buying in slowly but surely. They're su- they surprise me at every turn, and sure, I don't think that that RCK is going to be that that one move that like somehow changes this whole thing up because you didn't see it happening last year. I mean, look at the same narrative that we posed for him. Poop team. They had a couple good players. Wasn't going anywhere. Same so- kind of thing happened this year, and they're they're still doing it, and they're doing it with different players at every turn like when is it gonna when is it gonna break i gotta keep it moving i gotta keep sure. it moving for sure. a second i'm going london spitfire here the biggest difference uprising wow, i'm the only person okay. yeah as always right so uprising barely defeat atlanta rain and in in week one and london four o's like that gives them the edge because yiska f- you all right dude, 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 no. look at joe's face it's like you like he's the only one going against the grain it's like i feel uncomfortable is this is this an edgy opinion it's like <laughs> pouring salt over a slug dude like 
So, yeah. So, I don't agree with you. I think that overall London have been playing better. Boston Uprising have taken all three maps or all three matches against subpar teams to game five. Spitfire have not. Like, I don't know. Like, again, right? So, you have to look at matchups. You have to look at map pool. I'm too lazy. So, um, we're going to, you know, change yeah. that up a little bit. And we're going to. John, I'm not going on a tangent, but I would say the maps are really interesting for this matchup. I won't go on a tangent. And we don't need to talk about it, but the maps are interesting. <laughs> it's Busan, Paris, Kings Row, Junkertown. Why is that interesting? Oh, because they're so, all trash. They're all trash. Oh my god, that is that. That's three trash maps. Unreal. No, that was not my point at all. It, it's my point now. <laughs> I think we'll go okay. to game five. I think we'll go to map five. Anyway. I just get the impression that John wants to move on. And so I'm like fearfully talking. <laughs> you, I mean, you don't have to be fearfully talking about anything. If anything, if there's anything fearful about this one here, it's it just Yiska's uh, ability to combust. <laughs> I think is the only thing that I'm afraid of on this podcast is Yiska, you know, every once in a while is just like, boom. You just don't know what these things. Yeah. yeah. You, you have, you, you never know when it's coming. Uh, we, still, we still have quite a bit to go through. I, I do uh, very quickly here. Philadelphia Fusion, Houston Outlaws. So Fusion Outlaws are like, you've got the, the narrative that Outlaws searching for an identity. Fusion kind of like fighting to stay relevant here. Reinforce. Uh, who do you, who you got in this matchup? Wait, ask someone else. I need to look at the maps. This is uh, too close. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Joe, who do you take here? Um, I did a small preview where I talked about this pretty in depth. Um, the kind of gist of it is that I think that Houston is rebuilding internally, um, with the focus on, onto Arhan instead of Jake. Um, I do think that they are showing some, some very positive, uh, counter comps, especially on Busan. I liked their... <laughs> I liked their uh, sanctuary Arisa strat. Yeah. I don't know how much that was Vancouver feeding into them. Um, like they mentioned on oversight, um, there was a couple just one V ones that Vancouver were taking that I don't think they needed to. Um, that will probably play a hand in Houston, possibly taking an early lead on control, which again, I don't think provides too much prediction power in terms of how the series will go. So I think you could give Houston map one, and then I think it's Philly the rest of the way because Houston internally is restructuring. At least that's my uh, my take on the outside looking in. So I think this is Philly 3-1. So in the 6,000-word, yeah, that 6,000-word yep. novel there, uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> that's me. Yiska, what about you, man? Where are you at? Houston Outlaws. Okay. Really quick side tangent. Um, I think it's very important in Overwatch to talk about how teams specifically improved. And I've, I've read this book, and ever since then, I'm convinced of the power of trajectories. And I have to say, and by the way, I'm trying to eventually get power rankings out in the terms of who improved the most this mm. week, for instance. I think that's a very valuable lesson. So I think Houston actually looked very good against Titans. Now... Houston has been a team that sort of plays up to their opponent historically. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I can trust that, but if they can hold that level, especially here, here's the thing. They were pretty average on the first map of uh, King of the Hill. 
right? Yes, like and if you look, they the won quite heavily on Sanctum. Yes, and then they are histor- or statistically very bad in map fives. Now, by improving their King of the Hill performance across the board, I think that really helps them, especially in this series. Like, if they can get over their nerves just by effect of having a very good King of the Hill in general, uh, strategies or whatever, I think that might be their first map 5 win of the season. So I think Busan, so I would... I would want Busan late. If I was Houston, I want Busan late because that seems to be yeah. where they're they have some pretty key strategies kind of uh, in the pot kind of cooking up. I think Busan early sets them up. I think if they draw because again, I'm not entirely too sure how map flies. It's just the one control map that hasn't been played. Um, I don't know that they have much in the pot when it comes to the other maps. Yeah, I think Philadelphia will gain momentum throughout the series and eventually uh, overpower. Hmm. I, I think that Anubis and Iken are going to be pretty rough for Houston. Uh, yep. So I'm giving. Mm. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I'm in the same Philadelphia fusion. I've got to go with your. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tight one for me. Um, but in the end, uh, Joe and Yiska both have a lone pick there. So rough. I guess. Yiska is not wrong in predicting Houston. Could very well win. Yeah, I, think he, I mean, he might be wrong. Say. We will find out if he is wrong. But <laughs> He's that type of guy. He is, he is <laughs> logical in his arguments uh, for for outlaws, for sure. So yeah, I'm just scared of how bad Philly are looking. But. That's true. Sure. Mm. This, this is the week where they really have to turn it around. And, and yeah. as much as like I don't look at games against outlaws as a bellwether for <laughs> you know like how good yeah. your team is doing but that but that's a that's kind of a must win they is. are it. like this is the 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 match for me that is our philadelphia fusion um a top 10 team or a bottom 10 team and i mm. look at as houston at like kind of like that bellwether for like yep. That, if you can't beat Houston, test. I can't. I can't ever put you in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, yep. keeps tweeting me like, "Why am I not higher in your power rankings?" And I'm like, "Because you're not good enough." It's a reason. Ooh. Boom! Come on, there's right. the win result. Yeah. So before we close out the show here, we do have one more segment. It's called "Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is." Kachin. <laughs> I promise there will be a sounder one day. Uh, but the idea is very shortly. You don't get a total like I. You can't do a no six thousand word essays. You can't essays. do a right, Joe cool. or a Yiska where it's just like, uh, well, you know, if you take in all these ninety-seven variables, I give them a three percent chance. Like, no, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to put your money where your mouth is, and we're gonna talk. Uh, we're, we're gonna take this very seriously, Yiska. Specifically, sure. you. I'm looking at you. You've been a troublemaker this show. Not having it. <laughs> My bad. Not having My it. Bad. Uh, so I've, I've got four overall questions for you all. Overall, I'm going to have reinforce as he's our guest. Go first here. Do NYXL drop a map in week three? Yes no. or no? No. I love it. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be alone and, on this. And I'm, I'm going to qualify here. Do they tie any maps? Yes. Th- that's okay. You, no money there. That's just the bonus. You okay. double. You double if you get it right. You don't double if you get it wrong. Lots of scrim bucks. So uh, staying away from the essays. NY, yeah, exactly. <laughs> NYXL does not drop a map. All right, uh, Joe. Does NYXL drop a map in week three? I'll say yes. Okay. 
Yiska. No. No. All right. I love it. So, two to one. NYXL does not drop a map in week three. Very excited to see what happens. All right. Question number two. Does LA Valiant get their second win of the season over Washington Justice? Yiska. Yes. Joe. Yes. Johnny. Oh, no. Don't do it, Johnny. <laughs> don't do it. You yes. know you don't want to. Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. LA It'd be Valiant. such a whole take. It would. It would. 3-0. LA Valiant get their second win over the se- uh, for the season for the Washington Justice. All right. Here we go. Johnny, coming to you. Do the Titans fall to fuel or uprising this week? Do we see no. that first loss? No. Joe. No. Yiska. No. All right. 3-0. No. Titans go on undefeated. Last question. Do the Florida Mayhem find their first win this week against either Shanghai Dragons or Houston Outlaws? Yiska going to you. No. Johnny says (laughs) no. no. Mayhem. No. Still winless. Yiska. No. Joe. No. All right. Here's another fun fact for you. Uh, if you count out Florida Mayhem's wins over Shanghai Dragons last year, the Shanghai Dragons could, after this week, have more franchise wins than the Florida Mayhem against the Ooh. rest of the league. I, mean, I wasn't ready for that After one. going 0-40. I was not in ready for one. that one. That wow. That's that rough. Hurts. That hits. Like, moment of silence. Just moment that of hurts. silence. Yeah, that's rough. Oof. Jeez. Oof. All right. Wow. That's a good that's a good note to end it on, by the way. <laughs> we gotta get out of here. Uh reinforce, man. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so it much. This was for a really fun on. podcast. It was uh, a really good podcast. Thanks, sir. thanks for coming on. Thank you. There, we'll we'll keep a seat warm for you anytime you want to come on the show. Ooh, um, nice. Yiska warms the seats. So Yes, I'm not the bench warmer. Nice. You know. It's actually really hot in LA, so I'd like a cold seat. Uh, Joe Cold's the seats. He's the night. I I do like my AC high. I will say, <laughs> lukewarm. I would say, lukewarm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Just hit I me in my non-existent spine. My, I understand. Uh, my seats do not have temperatures. I they just have percentages of warm and cold, and it's about fifty-five, forty-five. We've already established that you don't sit down, right? No, because he has that standing desk that he talks about every week. Yeah. <laughs> Not every week. I usually sit down. See, I, I was intending to make a toilet joke, but we would go with the same one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No toilet jokes here. All right. So, uh, reinforce before we get out of here, though, um, please take a moment. Tell uh, everybody where they can find you. Any other farewell messages? Any Anything like that you want to get out uh, to the listeners and viewers this week? Uh, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I think it was really entertaining. Um, I love being part of stuff like this. You can find me on Twitter at Reinforce, the way it's spelled in the dictionary. No fluff, nothing fancy. It's literally the word in the dictionary. If you aren't sure how to spell it, pull up the dictionary, try to Google it. It will help you spell the word correctly. And then you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm not going to promote my own podcast. Because you should. That, you should. Should I? You should. But I'm on the podcast already. It's okay. I don't. Uh, you can listen to my podcast, podcast, Positive Reinforcement, the Overwatch podcast where I give the Overwatch community Great a treat. Name, by the way. Second best name. Uh, this week I had Sideshow on, and he gave me all his hot takes, like Dallas Fuel being a top four team. So uh, go check that out. 
Go Yo. give it a listen. It's only like 30, 40 minutes every week. So you can listen to both podcasts. Yeah, basically. not mutually yes. exclusive at all. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So check that out. And I'll have some more guests on. Next, next time I might pick Brent's brain. And we'll see what he has to say. Uh, I don't I haven't invited him. I just put him on the spot. And uh, that, was, that was a bad idea. <laughs> Moving on. That's it. Follow me on Twitter. That's good. And on there Instagram. I want to reach 10k followers on Instagram. In, uh, at reinforce owl which uh, i changed to before i got fired and then i got rehired so i could keep the instagram name the same <laughs> fair enough all right well there, I, I will say by the way i just want you to know totally enjoy uh positive reinforcement great oh, thank great, you. great piece good. of content love seeing more really good competitive overwatch content because there's not i feel like there's a room in the Overwatch community for Swedish accents, so I'm trying to fill. There is, and you sound sure. you sound really good on that podcast. Yeah. All You've our, got, all like, our players and coaches are doing shit, so I'm trying to. The positive know, reinforcement <laughs> it, to yeah. me is like the only ASMR uh, competitive you Overwatch podcast. Oh, it's it's good. It's good on mm. the ear holes. So make sure. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, just the ear. Oh yes, holes. That's why you have those. Um, makes sense um, yes so anyway sounds really good make sure to uh, go uh, follow subscribe do all that kind of stuff Joe what's coming up for you this week I'm going to be breaking down the Chinese contenders playoffs as well as potentially backing up my hot take that I think the British Hurricane are the best contenders team in the world at the moment so those might be coming fair enough uh, Yiska what about you what's coming up um, so next week I have a, <clears throat> a vacation week mo for the most part. So I plan to get thinking of starting again. I said that three crotches <laughs> ago, by the way. And, but I want, maybe I want to stream Witcher. We'll see. Ooh. Three. All right. Let's see. Yeah, you've got your, your new graphics card. So mm -hmm. exciting yep. stuff. Uh, as for me, nothing uh, super exciting going on, but uh, make sure to follow me everywhere at Kick Tripod. Make sure to follow the show at Tactical underscore Crouch and search for Tactical Crouch on anywhere where you can listen to podcasts or uh, watch videos on YouTube because we're everywhere. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This was an incredible uh, live episode. Uh, Twitch chat, you guys behaved. Good job. I know that's not easy for you all to do, so I uh, really appreciate it. That's going to do it for episode 28. We will be back next week for episode 29. I have no idea who's going to be on. We might have some stuff changing, some stuff in the works. So definitely stay tuned on that. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.